Loudspeaker Studios. Welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast celebrating the unexpected benefits of living a zero-proof lifestyle. I'm Erin Ranta. And I'm Adrienne Vandervalk, and we are the co-founders of Reva Recovery Support and originators of the Hangover Liberation Method. And today's topic is one that I'm actually really excited to talk about, even though it's not a typical recovery topic, but it's really cute and furry and fun. Can you guess what it is? (laughs) Pets. Dogs. Mostly dogs, because Aaron and I are dog people, but you know, pets generally, no, no other pets excluded. So we wanted to create a little bit of space to expand our definition of what belongs in our sober community. And I don't know, for me, it's been very interesting to look back on my history with dogs and notice what they taught me, how they influenced my feelings about my own drinking. And I think there's a lot of juicy stories actually in this episode that I'm excited to dive into. We are also going to pepper in a little bit of plants, plant life and plants as friends in our sober lives as well. Living things that we need to care for that are not children is maybe (laughs) the the more umbrella topic for this particular episode. As I was doing a bit of research into the benefits of pet ownership, I mean, some of them are really obvious, right? Like pets make you feel less lonely, which is something that I think people in recovery often are concerned about. Either they have battled loneliness already or they feel really isolated and maybe they're not spending as much time with friends now that they're not drinking or going out as much or however their social lives have changed. And a pet can be a huge relief in that situation. So I thought what I might do is just read through some of these benefits and we can talk about them. Does that sound good? Sounds really, really good. I'm excited as well to kind of relive some of these stories. And number one, they really do provide unconditional love. I mean, these pets are there for you no matter what. And I've definitely witnessed that. I'm sure you have too. I have. And they're very vulnerable. So that's another thing. They're, they give you unconditional love and they rely on you. Dogs in particular, cats are a little bit more self-reliant, but they still need to be taken care of and fed and have their litter boxes clean and taken to the vet and all of that kind of stuff. So it does build in the necessity to think about a being other than yourself, which when you're in the throes of an SUD can be kind of a tall order because I know, you know, at least I'll speak for myself, I got pretty selfish and myopic during big chunks of my drinking life. Me too. And at the end, I was trying to care for myself and nurse myself back to health, but enter in a pet. And it's kind of a nice bridge to what they suggest in a lot of recovery, recovery modalities is you know, to give to others and to help others is really what's going to end up helping you. So having the pet is kind of like a practice that can help you then with the human element of that. That actually is number three on this list. Pets help you build relationships with other people. And maybe you're not quite to where you can start building relationships with other people because you're still just trying to figure out how to like live and be a person sober. 
but you can, you can do that with a pet and they won't judge you. And that, that lack of judgment, I think is huge. So Aaron, tell me about your first adult pet experience. And when was that within the great scheme of your drinking and recovery life? The more recent and prevalent to this would be our dogs, Cherry and Fig. And Cherry came into our family when I was sick. I was actually in the hospital for off and on for a few months. And my husband, Morrow, got Cherry at an AA meeting from his... Oh, wow. Yeah, she was, she was picked up um, in front of a Safeway grocery store by his old sponsor. And the sponsor was going to keep the puppy, but couldn't because his wife had allergies or something. So brought the puppy to the meeting and Mara's like, I want her, I want her, I want her. So he um, ended up with Cherry as a young puppy, like six weeks. Wow. So cute. Oh my God. Baby, baby. Yeah. So this at this point, you were still in active addiction, but your husband mm-hmm. was in early sobriety. Is yes. that right? Yeah. So he was Cherry wow. meetings and he was really quite you know, active in the community. And I would pop in and out. And that's how it was until, you know, I was really sick or I'd be kind of sober a little bit. So I didn't really meet Cherry until a little bit later. And he brought her to the hospital. And I just would know that this little dog would be waiting for him in the car when he would come to visit me. And they formed this relationship that Basically, Cherry saved him. The light that this little puppy brought and the love and the playfulness and just the, you know, it was it was so amazing. And I'm just, oh, I, oh, I could cry. Cherry, I'm so grateful for Cherry. She's like, oh, she's an angel. That's so beautiful. I'm so happy that he found her at that exact right moment, it sounds like. Yeah, and then I, once I was sober and we were living with Cherry, a few months in, he wanted a second dog and... I was like, what? We lived in a studio and, but I got it. I understood the point. So Cherry could have a friend. So anyway, we ended up with Fig. It was the day before my birthday. We picked Fig up. She pooped on the floor right away, um, started to like go and pee and poo (laughs) on the bed. And it was, it was funny, but then I fell in love with both of them just immensely, immensely. And that's number two to this article of what they teach you about yourself. I didn't know that I could love these other creatures that much and that I could really like feel the urge to care for them. And it honestly opened my eyes and his eyes to the whole parenting thing because that wasn't something that was necessarily on my radar after being in active addiction for years. So um, just that responsibility that I was actually able to do and the patience I had for them, it taught me that maybe I could be a mom. Hey. The other thing that I really like about what this article is saying, and we will link it in the show notes, is that animals don't try to hide their emotions. I mean, obviously, to some degree, we as humans, to function in society, can't just say and do anything that we want at any time. But for those of us who numbed our emotions and refused to feel them, basically, at all costs, it can be such an important lesson. So I I really love that. I had a dog. I was always a cat person growing up and I thought dogs were kind of pitiful. I just thought they were really needy and I didn't 
get it really, but I also never had a dog. I had not experienced a dog that would look at you and you just knew that like you were their person. And until I was in my late twenties and it was a similar situation. Someone had found this dog on the street, brought her to my house. I fell in love with her. Nobody ever claimed her at the Humane Society. And so she became my dog, Frida. And what I know, what Frida taught me about myself was she was so smart. She was a healer and was just one of those incredibly smart, intuitive dogs. And so she helped me realize how regimented my life was. I would come home and either watch TV or get on my computer. And the second that I either turned off the TV or shut my laptop, she would run and go and get in her kennel because she knew I was leaving because I would never not be on my computer or watching TV if I wasn't leaving. And when I realized that, I was like, oh my God, I need to change. Like, this is not okay. (laughs) So that was really an interesting thing to learn. And, you know, the other thing is, I, you know, I think back on my time with her and she was really with me through like all of the worst of the worst time. And then, you know, my drinking was like kind of like a bell curve, like it got really bad in the middle. And then it actually got quite a bit better before I quit. But she and she was with me through all of that. But, you know, I felt guilty that I wasn't a better dog companion. There would be times when I like didn't come home at night and she was fine. It's not like she was starving or anything like that, but I knew that it made her sad. And I do actually credit her with keeping me from getting more extreme because I lived alone for a big chunk of that time. And I knew that I had to take care of her. Like that was always in the back of my mind. I couldn't just go completely off the deep end or like disappear or, you know, not get out of bed for days and days and days because she needed me, you know? And so that was actually, I think, really, really helpful structure for me because for some of that time I was in grad school, I didn't really have a schedule where people would notice if I just stopped showing up places. And so having her to take care of, I think, really did help keep me from getting way more isolated or getting way more into, this is when I was doing more drugs too, like way more into kind of a dangerous situation than I would have. It was like a bright line for me. Even though I know I could have been better, I actually think that I did a really good job for the most part. Like I said, she was with me through everything. So she lived a long time. She lived to be almost 17 years old. And part of me wants to say that she was waiting until she knew I was okay to cross over, but I actually don't think that's true because (laughs) Frida's end of life was like very prolonged and she needed like she needed help, human assisted help cross the Rainbow Bridge. And I probably should have done it sooner, but I just couldn't bear it. You know, like she was physically very healthy. She probably could have continued on, but she was like not mentally there anymore and she was in a lot of pain so I had to help her but I am really happy that Frida got to see me get sober because dogs obviously pick up on your energy and I'm sure she did not I know she didn't like it when I was intoxicated and I was intoxicated a lot so I'm glad that I was able to really be more present for her in her last years. I don't know if I've seen a picture of Frida, but hopefully you can find some and maybe 
Oh, oh I will. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah, she's very, very cute. And I'll find some pictures of her like throughout the years because, like I said, I had her for like almost 16 years. That she was about a year old when incredible. I got her. Incredible. I know. Wow. And then, <laughs> my dog now is like, she's like basically the complete opposite of Frida. She's very bad and very dumb. <laughs> and, but she is like 100% that dog that just like lives in the moment and, <laughs> and will express all of her emotions. So, so you know, I, I try to learn from her as well, even though I really don't have the same relationship with her. She's not, she's not the one, but you know, she's pretty cute too. As a nonprofit, everything we do at Loudspeaker could not be possible without the generous support of our listeners. Become part of the Loudspeaker family and pledge your support now at loudspeaker.org. Hey there, I'm Sarah Moneres, the host of the WE Podcast, your space for inspiration, stories, and real talk. On the WE Podcast, we love talking about the things most people don't openly talk about. The real, messy, human experience and how we can grow through it. Tune in on Loudspeaker every week on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain and on Tuesdays on any of your favorite podcast apps. Join us in this space that's all about connecting through our stories, showing up for the real, and embracing the truth that we are not on this journey alone. See you there. All right, well, so back to the article dog owners or dog companions exercise more which makes sense because obviously you got to take them out you know Mm -hmm. and they need to move and so you need to move as well and that's super helpful in recovery obviously very important to everything that we believe moving intentionally and mindfully and and that's really a big part of what a dog walk is. It really is. And it's unbelievable how somebody in very early sobriety will not do those walks because they don't feel good. And I understand that. But having that creature that wants to go outside, needs to go outside, is looking at you and dependent upon you, it fills so many of the needs that someone getting sober needs, such as getting fresh air, a routine, helping somebody else, which is the dog. It's something as simple as a dog walk. It's not so simple. It's really important. Exercise reduces stress. One of the other items on this list is that just having a pet at all reduces stress because you're playing with them, you're petting them, they snuggle with you. I think sometimes we forget that humans are mammals and a big part of the mammalian brain bonds us with other mammals. I mean, we need that to thrive. And that, that connection of petting an animal and that like rhythmic motion is incredibly therapeutic. It's supposed to give you the amount of oxytocin that's beneficial. Yes. And oxytocin is known as the love drug. It's what new moms experience after they give birth and look at their new babies. Every middle of the night around three or four, Cherry comes on the bed and kind of like digs under the covers and finds a spot to snuggle with me. And Fig is already on the bed somewhere. Some people have the rule against the dogs in bed, but we sure don't. And snuggling with them is very therapeutic. It really is. It's kind of like a little sleeping aid next to you. 
Yeah, we don't let the, our dog on the bed. But what's funny is that I I go and get in her bed, which is so gross. First thing in the morning, I like crawl down there and I like lay with her on her bed and, and awesome. we have like a little morning ritual. And it's That's I amazing. would not miss it for the world. Morning snuggles with the dog are truly the highlight of my day. Truly. And I oftentimes get out of bed and they're still there, especially Cherry, and just looks like a little person with their head on the pillow and... Makes me a little bit jealous that she gets to sleep in. Pets make you smile, number six, and ward off loneliness, obviously. They're always doing really cute things. And I don't know if you have voices for your dog, but we have a lot of crazy voices that happen in our house when we're talking to the dog or pretending that the dog is talking to us. It's like an, it's almost like an ongoing puppet yes. show. It really does bring this like element of joy. And sometimes we fantasize about like, oh, I can't wait till we don't have dogs anymore. We don't have to worry about like, getting sitters for them when we want to go out of town and, you know, having all this responsibility. But I honestly just can't even imagine not having that. I just feel like my day-to-day -day life would be so much less joyful. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have her. Yeah. Yep. And also if you have a dog and let's say you live alone with your dog, you might have an opportunity to meet people at a dog park, just in a casual or on the walk. You know, other other dogs like to say hello to each other by sniffing each other. And that usually leads to whether you want the contact with a human or not, but the opportunity is there. I totally picked up a dude at a dog park once when I was single. Yeah, see? It worked yeah. out. And, you know, maybe it's a nice light conversation. It's not necessarily sobriety-based. Maybe you're tired of talking about that if you're newly sober. So, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a long-term yeah. relationship, let's be clear. <laughs> but, you know, it worked out. <laughs> The short that's time. all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's what, it's what I needed at the time. Um, and then last one, pets encourage responsibility, which we've, we have touched on as well. This is, it, this kind of goes along with what you were saying about plants too. And my experience, I'll just talk about plants for a second. I went from having what people commonly refer to as having a black thumb. I could not keep plants alive. I would always forget about them. I'd always buy plants and let them die, which I now feel terrible about. And at, at some point, I just got really good at paying attention to what they needed and looking at them and researching their needs and buying different kinds of plant food. And it just became like a thing. Like I, I noticed if I gave plants a certain amount of water or exposure to a certain amount of sunlight, that they would respond in these different ways. And I was able to do that for plants when I basically was not able to do that for myself. Like I was doing great with the plant and the dog, not so great with me. One of my favorite feminist cultural thinkers, Amelia Ruby, had a little series at one point called What I Learn From Plants. What I Learn About Life From Plants, I think I'll also find that and link it. And one of them was, sometimes you think you're dead, but you just need water. <laughs> I thought that was so, like, that's true. Sometimes you think you're dying, but you just really need to get hydrated because you let it go too long. And there, and there were a whole, like, little series of those kind of truisms, things mm -hmm. that we can learn about taking care of ourselves from getting good at taking care of plants. So if you're not ready for a dog or a cat or, you know, a more high-stakes pet, consider befriending a plant. They are living things. They 
clean the air in your home and they do like emit vibrations. You can vibe with your house plants. I wish I had a, a house full of just lush green plants. There's nothing like that. Maybe in post toddler times. One day, one day. As you know, if you're a regular listener, each episode, we bring you a big sober energy tip to help enhance your life and your recovery journey. Today's tip, Adrian is going to share with us. So you might think that the tip is go get a dog based on how we've been talking during this episode, but I know that that's not possible for everyone. And whether you have a dog or not, this tip will work for you. So there is an image that went around on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, et cetera, a few years ago, and I'm going to describe it to you and then I'll link it in the show notes as well. But it's an image of a man and a dog sitting, looking at a lake and you can see the thought bubbles for both the man and the dog. And the man is thinking about making money and wanting a bigger house and his car and like all of these external kind of status things. And the dog is just thinking about sitting by his owner companion, looking at a lake. Like the dog is completely present and thinking about nothing else except exactly what is happening in that moment. And the caption of this image is, this is why dogs are happier. And I think that this is really powerful for a lot of reasons. I think we can learn so much from dogs about living in the moment, like we were saying before, giving ourselves permission to feel and express our emotions. But just the simplicity of be here now, right? Forget about what came before, forget about the external world, forget about what's coming after, and give yourself permission to anchor in an individual moment, that truly is the foundation of mindfulness and observing exactly what is happening in front of you right now and letting that be all that fills your consciousness. So learn mindfulness from your dog mm -hmm. or from other people's dogs or from the dog in this picture. But if you find yourself just going into a rabbit hole of worry and status and relationships and things you wish you'd done differently, et cetera, et cetera, take a moment and just really register exactly what's going on around you in that exact moment. Get really curious about it. Let that be what fills the frame of your reality and see how that benefits you. And over time, if you can practice doing that, it is totally transformative and really also very helpful with helping you notice triggers and cravings, things like that, that can be beneficial to your recovery as well. The Hangover Liberation Method is very much based in mindfulness, meditation, and movement. Those are all essential components. In each episode, we carve out a little bit of time to move or breathe with you. And this week, Erin is going to lead us in some mindful movement. Take it away, Erin. Thank you. So today, get this, we're going to do some cat stretch. And Oh, I see what you did yeah. there. And also an exercise called bird dog. So we'll start with the cat stretch, or some people call it cat cow. So you're going to come to your hands and knees, and you can put a pillow under the knees if you would like, and 
First, find a nice neutral position of the spine and try to breathe into the belly, into the diaphragm. On your exhale, can you round the spine up like a cat? So you're gonna just round up, feel a slight scoop sensation of the abs up towards the spine in order to give your back a stretch. And then on the next exhale, whenever that is, we're gonna reverse. So you're gonna slowly move through the spine into, this is the cow position, AKA spinal extension, where you're in like a U shape. So you can take a few of those, just moving back and forth. See what pace feels good for you. I usually like to go pretty slow to work through the spine and think about moving on the exhale. That way the exhale can actually benefit the movement a bit. See if you have any tight spots, wiggle around a bit, and then back to where we started, a neutral spine. We'll come to there right about now. So just take a moment to come back to the place where you started. And then this, this is the bird dog. Keeping your spine very still, you're going to reach your opposite arm and leg away from each other. So for instance, you're gonna reach your right arm by your ear and your left arm back away from the body as you inhale. And then you're gonna exhale, just bring them down onto hands and knees. Alternate sides each time. And just as you do this, try to keep the spine very still the ribs and still and the pelvis still and just the limbs are kind of moving in opposition using the breath and the core to help keep you balanced so we'll take a couple more on each side inhale reach the opposite arm and leg and then just exhale place them back down you don't need to hold it out there for too long nor do you need to make it too high it's just a little balance check and let's say we're on the last one each side right about now bring it back down and last one and then from that hands and knee position, you can just resume back to whether you were seated or lying down or standing. And it's a little stretch for your spine. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, And thank you all so much for spending your time with us today and indulging us in this fun little conversation about our furry friends. As always, if getting sober is something that you've struggled with or you're just beginning your journey and you need some support, feel free to reach out to us. You can learn more about our work at revarecovery.com. That's R-E-V-A recovery.com. Or follow us on Instagram at revarecovery. To learn more about working with us directly, you can book a free visioning session by reaching out to us through any of these platforms. And we are starting our spring-summer sessions soon. That's right. We're opening the doors to five more intensive students. So if you're looking for that kind of support and you want to join a community of folks who are just rocking their recoveries, let us know. We'd love to have you. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it so much if you could give it a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find us. Thanks again for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.